Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... movies music and gaming and here with me uh as we do every week is dan hello dan hey man how's it going yeah good good right but moving quickly on from dan because today we've got a special guest (laughs) we've got a special guest uh which is katie o'hagan hello katie hi guys here (laughs) yeah lovely to see you so for those that don't know katie played mia in today's uh subjects that we're going to be talking about which is Resident Evil 7, Biohazard. Be careful. They'll be looking for you. Daddy's coming. We need to go. We need to go now! What the fuck are you? Shut up and listen if you want to stay alive. Ethan. You gotta get out of that house. So, Katie, thanks for thanks for coming on. It's really great to see you. Um, now, I am a huge fan. I should say, so my personal experience with Resident Evil 
for a start, is I've played them since the very beginning. A lot of the, all the mainline titles. Okay. A lot, a lot of the other periphery ones, like Revelations and all this stuff. I've done a lot of that. Um, I didn't even mind the first movie. The other movies after that, the other movies after that kind of mold into one movie. <laughs> I was like, not. I don't hear that from too many people. So wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't differentiate any of the movies aside from the first one. Yeah. <laughs> first one. Uh, but I um, so I found uh, Resident Evil Five. I quite liked, but I was like, what is this doing? Resident Evil Six um, was much maligned, I guess, in the industry, and then Seven came along, and it went back to its roots um, of literally having a Resident Evil. And that's the thing is that I always think Resident Evil when it started, it's like a, an evil that lives there. It's something that is attached to, well, essentially it's like a haunted house, right? And Resident Evil 7 brought that right back. Um, and it was, yeah. And so for me, this was a breath of fresh air. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And part of that is obviously uh, Mia's character um, as well, who I would say has arguably the most interesting arc throughout that entire game, more so than more so than Ethan. Um, so yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to know like what what happened, like what what led you up to coming on board to Resident Evil Seven. What's the story? Yeah, I mean it's kind of crazy because I didn't even know I was coming on board to Resident Evil. Um, Capcom keeps everything very quiet and secretive because they don't like spoilers and. Uh, if you would have told me this before I was involved, I'd be like, that's crazy. Like, of course you have to let, you know, certain people know. So uh, once I got on board and that realization happened, it was like, oh, cause things slip out so easily. They just keep as much quiet as possible. So for me, I actually, uh, as an actor, I'm living in LA and I have agents who get me work, but I also submit myself for a lot of things. So I found a random casting call on one of the acting websites looking for, they said it was for a video game. Um, it was a Japanese title um, that I couldn't even attempt to pronounce. <laughs> and they basically were looking for a female in my age range, my height, and they were looking for somebody who could play demonic and possessed. So. Sick. <laughs> The moment I saw that, I got so excited because that I love playing zombies. I love doing creepy voices. I just like surprising people because when they look at me, they don't expect certain voices to come out of me. <laughs> so I was really excited. So I submitted myself because um, I fit like the majority of the criteria. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I've never done anything like this before. I'm just going to go for it. So I submitted myself and I got an audition. And when I got there, I dressed <laughs> as if I was going to any other audition, like just did my makeup, did my hair, put my little boot heels on. I show up to a motion capture studio of which I've never been in before. Right. It's this huge stage, all these like cameras. I mean, it was amazing. And everybody who was there for the audition was just like at a table at the front. And then I come in. And from the moment they looked at me, they're like, yeah, you're going to have to take those shoes off. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I'm not thinking, I mean, I've never done an audition that was so physical before. Right, okay. So I had to take the shoes off. And then I realized even my slock, socks were sliding. So I was like, ah, those are gone. So I'm like barefoot in this audition. And they're like, yeah, so 
they gave me a general scene. It was a lot of improv. They gave me the scene mm. and then it was like, go. So right. I am crawling on the ground. I'm making <laughs> noises. At one point, the director was in a chair and he's like, okay, I'm in this corner of the room. His back was to me and he's like, I want you to scare me as if I was in a pitch black room and you're what's coming at me. Like, what would you do to scare me? Right. And so I literally slowly like making the scary noises, doing all the weird stuff, just kept slowly getting closer and closer. So the sound you just knew was getting closer and closer and closer to you. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was so much fun, but because I hadn't done it, it was like, okay, I can't be embarrassed. I need to throw myself into this audition. So when they told me to do it, I was like, all right, let's do this. I mean, I was, I had never done anything like this before. And so afterwards they were like, oh, okay, you know, we'll let you know. And then they let me know that they were auditioning for uh, the normal version of the same character. Cause they didn't know if they'd have okay. the same actress playing both or if they were gonna have two different actresses. So they were like, you know, we'll let you know. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thinking, oh, that would really stink if they're like, we don't think she can be normal. So that was really <laughs> She got the creepy stuff. She's got that nail. Yeah. They were like, we really like the creepy. I, I don't believe she can then be normal. All <laughs> yeah. So like a day later, they called me in for a call back of normal Mia. And I went in, I did that. And then I think maybe a day or two later, they called me saying they wanted to offer me the role. So wow. within fast. that, I mean, it was awesome. It was so cool. It started with just doing the kitchen demo. Which, um, you know, that was the surprise at E3 back in 2016. Yeah. So I just shot that. And that's all I thought I was going to be shooting. And they were yeah. like, we don't know if this will be a full game. Well, you'll be contacted if we end up doing more. And then a couple months later, they said, okay, it's going to be a full game. We want to bring you in to audition with Ethan's, like the male counterpart. So I actually yeah. was in there as Mia and I auditioned with a whole bunch of different actors as possible Ethan's. And that's how I met Todd, who is, is our Ethan. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was really cool. And then started filming, but it was a good year into filming when I found out it was Resident Evil. Right, so okay. I was, I was beyond clueless. I just thought I was making a really cool horror game and yep. that no one, no one would know what it was. And then, <laughs> and then it ended up being Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. The biggest <laughs> Japanese horror franchise. And I'm almost happy I didn't know because I think if I knew from the get-go, it might have put like a damper on things or it might have made um, me, I don't know if more nervous, but at least thinking, oh, I have to live up to something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm kind of happy that I didn't know because Seven, as you know, is all new characters. Mm -hmm. So if you went into seven knowing it was Resident Evil, like I might've gone back and played all the games to be like, oh, I need to know the background. Mm. When quite frankly with seven, like you, you don't, I mean, if you do, cool, you get an idea of things, but you don't need it. Yeah. it so it opens up to a lot of new fans who are new to the franchise if this is where they just started. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool in that way that uh, it offers all of that. <laughs> For sure. It's cool that you got to sort of step in and yeah, like reestablish a new character and kind of have fun and do your own thing with it. Yeah. Like I didn't have to live up to, I mean, I give props to, cause I know they did the remakes and they had new actors come into these iconic roles and that's gotta be difficult. 
you know, mm-hmm. that's gotta be so difficult to be like, okay, I want to give it my own thing. But these characters are also known for this stuff. So like trying to balance that. Whereas with seven, with Mia, like with the whole world, it was like, Ooh, like we get to start from scratch kind of like mm-hmm. you have the base of Chris Redfield umbrella, you know, um, the BSAA, but you don't really know that throughout the game, you know, that doesn't come out until later. So it's kind of like, you just think this is like this poor crazy family. What the hell happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I loved about it is that it's that whole, I mean, the whole idea of it just being like in the one house and also like, um this was also going down uh this was also a first person um i suppose you want to say a shooter but it, it's not really a shooter but yeah first person perspective action game, person I guess. Hide and seek. yeah exactly yeah and that for those first few hours yeah it's literally hide and seek um pretty much uh which is great um and yeah it's and then it kind of and then yeah towards the end um yeah it turns into a bit more uh action uh orientated but um, yeah, Resident, none of the Resident Evils before that had done that. And that was kind of like, um, I guess, uh, from like the found footage kind of uh, popularity. And also um, there was, what was it, Outlast, I think, did quite well, which was a horror game, which is first person. Um, and that was through like a video camera as well that you could see through night vision and stuff. Um, not that there's something similar in this where you have like video camera uh, parts and all this. Um, and it's very like, it's almost like, a lot of the time it's just almost flashlight. Like that's the little bit of light you're getting. Yeah. Is you have like a flashlight or a, a lighter or something. And it's just, that makes it extra terrifying. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting that you um, did the kitchen demo as well, because I, so I played the kitchen demo only knowing that it was like a test for the, um, VR. Yeah, for VR, yeah. And also like the RE, the new engine, the RE engine that was built by Capcom um, to kind of show off like, you know, look how cool this all looks. But yeah, it's first thing VR. So I went to a, um, like a games, uh, Gamescom, I think it's Eurogame or whatever, um, in London here. And because at that time I worked for a company called Maker Studios and it was all influencers and YouTubers, whatever, and all this stuff. So I was able to wangle myself to get into what hadn't, but VR room, which hadn't been released yet. So Sony were doing these very private vr uh um showroom things uh but it was invite only so i was able to wangle in and they showed me um kitchen and i was sitting there going like and and so uh dan i don't think you've probably not seen it but like the whole of kitchen nah. is literally like it's it's kind of like it's about like 10 minutes long or something and yeah it's like, yeah something like that and you're sitting in a chair and basically there's like, yeah, I think it starts and there's a guy on the floor and it's all like dark and you're in a kitchen basically. And it just, it's all like fucked up and like gritty and shitty and horrible and disgusting. And the idea is that this guy gets up and you're both agents, like FBI, like cops or something like that. And he's like, got to get out of it. And anyway, then this <laughs> creature, which <laughs> turns no, out to be. You start hearing these noises. That's right. Yeah. And it's all happening around you. So the idea is obviously when you've got the VR unit, you don't have to do anything you're just kind of like looking around and all this stuff um because you're just you're you're tied to the chair in the game um and then yeah you start hearing all this stuff and it's like right here in your face and it's really horrible (laughs) it's really nasty and disgusting and it's like putting a knife like right up which they do in the main game as well like right up into your face if i remember rightly like near your eye in the kitchen the best part is um so one i got to decapitate the other guy so that's right yeah i forgot about that (laughs) The guy disappears and then 
you hear all these creepy noises and I just throw and the head comes bobbing. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That's amazing. And then when basically possessed, it's possessed Mia, but it's not like officially because she's in like this weird little kind of, it's like a ghost-like vision or something. It's very, I don't know how exactly they explain it, but it is Mia. Right. So I come out and I have a knife. And even though you're the VR, you're the one sitting in the chair, you're safe. But I stab you in the leg. And I remember people reacting to that as if they got stabbed. Like everything feels so real. You almost feel like you just got stabbed (laughs) in your leg. And then the next thing you know, the the person disappears. You're just hearing the creepy voices. And then these hands just come over you. And and it ends. And it was so much fun shooting that. Because that's basically what my audition was. It was right. like around creepy voices. Like you got to scare somebody who's just sitting there. So it's basically what my audition was was what the kitchen was. Right. <laughs> how do you film a um, how do you film a scene like that though, where you decapitate someone? So basically, it's you know you have the actor there. You come in, you fight with them, pull them out to you know. Uh, I believe it was like as if went around the corner so it was black again so you don't see it you just start hearing okay and then there was um like a head or something shaped like a head that had motion capture um senses on it and that's what after i kill decapitate that's what i throw out so it registers and then they can go in the game and make it the actual head and visually it looks like it but yeah it was like this head with sensors on it so after i fought with the guy he went over here. I then took it and wee. <laughs> there you go. Take that. They give um, you an actual head then. They didn't give you like a cantaloupe or a, no, or not a mango a, or something. Like, it, was, it was like a jug that was like head size shape. And then they just put everything on it. And that's what I threw because it could bounce. <laughs> Makes sense. Roll like a decapitated head, you know. Yeah. I'd like to know in the research they did uh, for how to like, how headlike is this? <laughs> let's test it test it out it was a good time it was definitely a lot of fun um an actor rob was so the guy who was the one i decapitated Mm -hmm. it's actually if you remember in seven um i think i think they're called gator swamps it's like the the news tv show thing yeah that's who it is in right kitchen so the guy who gets decapitated is one of the guys from that oh. I, I don't know why i got a police officer from my head then maybe i mean i haven't done it since then i don't know where i got that from because people are like why are we here we need to get the hell out of here yeah true i think he was in a suit or something maybe that was it he looked smart and i've immediately thought um w- what was also interesting about that is that there was kind of like a lot of people were thinking oh it's just the new resident evil but i don't think anyone clocked until after kitchen that the way they wrote kitchen i mean no one's gonna be able to see it you have to google it but um, the T had like uh, a space between the left top and the rest of the T. So it looked like a seven. Um, and no one, I don't think anyone spotted that until afterwards. It's very clever. And they've done that. And they've done that with eight as well, haven't they? Well, and they did it with seven, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. As everything came out, like that's what they started doing. Yeah, it's clever. Um, and I remember thinking when that happened, I was like, when someone pointed it out, I was like, God, that's amazing. Such a tiny, tiny little thing, but yet giving all the clues, all the necessary clues. Um, But yeah, that was really great. 
because when it first came out, it was all, you know, the same color. There was that space, but you would never notice it because everything looked a little choppy and, you know, looking. And then it was after the fact when they turned it, because Resident Evil 7 has kind of got that orangey tone to it. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that 7 Biohazard. 8 seems to have more of like a gold. Yeah. Yeah, like a yellowy gold. So they kind of do that. So when Kitchen, when they fully like said, yes, this is part of Resident Evil 7 world, uh, that's when they highlighted it in that orange. And it was like, how did I not see that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I was like, God, it was there. It was there the whole time. I just couldn't see it. So really, like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet. Sounds like it. Um, so, yeah, as I, as I was saying earlier, so I've not played for, I've, I, don't, I don't think we've said this yet, Um on the actual uh, podcast, we're talking about this in the, the pre-show bit, but um, I've not played Resident Evil Eight. Actually, to be fair, I've done the I did the first demo, and that's it. Which is um, and that's like twenty minutes worth. Um, so I don't know anything. I'm I have, and, th- and this is going to be purely on Resident Evil Seven. So for those who haven't played Eight, don't worry. Neither have I. Yeah, there won't be any spoilers, but there will be spoilers for Resident Evil Seven. So. <laughs> You've been warned. That's been out a little while now, so we can. 2017. So if you haven't played it, shame on you. Uh (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you, Jesus? Come on. Um, But yeah, we've had a whole pandemic to catch up, people. Exactly. Yeah, it's very apt. Yeah, there's a lot of mold everywhere, and people in people's houses, I imagine as well, Um, or lack thereof, because I guess people be doing more home maintenance. Maybe they found the mold. So with Mia, as I was saying before, like it felt like out of what I loved about Seven is the way it kind of drip fed the story and everything. It's a very simple premise to begin with, but then as it kind of goes on and you start learning more about the characters through like diaries or cutscenes or whatever and bits and pieces, um, you start finding out a bit more about the family, the Baker family, who you're kind of trapped with to begin with and what the majority of the game is spend, spending time with, but also like what the bigger villain, uh, who the bigger villain is and, and, and all this. Um, but you're seeing it through the eyes of Ethan, but Ethan is really kind of like the everyman. Um, he's you. So as in like, he's someone that you can place yourself on as a protagonist. But um, Mia, uh, I feel like has gives the insight not only into their relationship, but also um, as I was playing this and as I kind of went back um and uh, was going through it again and going through some of the, the walkthrough stuff and, rem- and reminding myself, um, I was, I remember thinking at the time, is this, is this a, and this is me, Dan will tell you this. I tend to like overread into things where it's just like, maybe it's, maybe it's just a horror game, but I'm like, no, 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 there's something going on. There's something deeper going on here. And yeah, exactly. And I do, and I, there is proof for this, but I'd be interested in what you think in a sense of like, is this a, a story, let's say, um, about how uh, Ethan is scared of commitment and having children and all this stuff. For and I, I do have my reasons why, but I wondered: is that been discussed? <laughs> Was that ever thought of, or from your end, did you ever get a sense of that? Maybe. Well, that's such an interesting way to look at it. I never thought of that. I always blamed Mia. I always blamed her being. Uh, immature and selfish and kind of wanting to prove something. And that's why she went and took this job. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And then when the job, like, you know, basically lying to him about what the job was, he knew she took the job, but she never really said what in particular it was. Um, But part of that makes me think that she didn't fully know what this job was. Mm -hmm. Because when you see that opening video and she's like, oh, I'm coming home. I'm so ready to be done with this babysitting job. Mm -hmm. You know, when in that beginning, it seems very um, like she thought, yes, this child was special, but not so special. And I think it wasn't until things started going very wrong that there was that realization of like, oh, no, this isn't just a normal like, you know, her and Alan had that yeah. full realization of like, holy crap, what do we get ourselves into? Um, how do we stop this? How do we fix this? So I think she was kind of selfish and wanting to prove something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's more how I always viewed it. Yeah. Because Ethan, poor Ethan, it was the everyday man. He didn't mm-hmm. have any sort of military background. Like he literally is just, my wife's been missing. I get a call. She's still alive. Of course, I'm going to go search for her. The only thing I don't understand is why he went alone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think anybody after three years of their wife just like, hey, yeah. I'm alive, but don't come and get me. Stay yeah. away. Things exactly. are bad. Stay away. Like, of course, you're going to come. But why he didn't, you know, call the local police or like have a buddy come with him. I yeah, you think. Those are some questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I started having some doubts as well when I actually got to the house. I'd drive there, but as soon as I got there, I'd be like, I'm not sure I want to go inside. <laughs> yeah. This is looking a little sketchy. There's a lot of overgrown uh, things going on here. That's I think right. I'm going to back out, maybe go to the local police station first and then come back. <laughs> yeah. The dead crows and all this stuff with the <laughs> hanging off the trees, wherever it was, might be a giveaway that it's not. There's a lot going on there. It's like, have you never seen Blair Witch? When you have like stick figures hanging off of trees, turn around. Yeah. Just <laughs> exactly. Well, she's been gone for three years. She can wait another couple of days. Um, <laughs> exactly. Give a few hours. You know, just just hit up the cops. Just something, maybe. Yeah. Kind of sort of. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's interesting. You say like, yeah, she's gone from, you know, being having to like mature, I guess. I mean, that also kind of works, works its way into um, what I was saying a little bit as well. Cause it's for, for me, it's like, she starts off where it's all like, yeah. So if, for those that don't know, like at the beginning, literally right at the beginning, it's Mia being like, yeah, as you said, like, Hey, love you. Come in to see you. Like it's all like sunny and bright to like suddenly cuts and she's, but it cuts and it's like, it's kind of weird. Cause it's like a, it's a flash forward to a flashback. If that makes sense. So it's weird because it's something that happens later in the game, but when it happens later in the game, it's actually a flashback to something that's already happened, if that makes sense, um, which is cool because when you get to that point, you're like, oh, shit, this is what happened hours ago at the beginning. How it came to that point. Yeah, which exactly. I think it's cool that you get like those little bits and then the realization of like, oh, this is what led up to it. Okay, now yeah. I get it. Now I get it, exactly. And that's what I quite like about, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit here, but that's what I quite like about the uh, the game's story itself is that it's it's quite non-linear. Um, and I like it, especially when, when, when films do this as well, when you're dropped in a specific, at times very small moment in the bigger story and you just let 
the story around it kind of expand and grow. And that's what Resident Evil 7 does. Like the idea of you're just this one guy turning up at a house and all this other stuff is kind of happening around you. Um, but yeah, I do find that, uh, I do find that very interesting, but yeah. So she, when then, yeah, you've got that kind of nice message. Then you've got the whole thing of like her going, stay away, do not come find me. <laughs> like, like forget forget about us or whatever almost. Um, Before from me, ignore it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it's bullshit. Don't, don't come. Um, yeah. But it is that, and I, so as I was kind of um, rewatching it and what I remember from the, when I played it the first time around was that, um, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, and dad's going to laugh, but a razor head in a sense where a razor head is the fear of having like a child. And it's very much from his yeah. point of view, the, the, the child is like alien to him. He's not sure how to deal with it. And he goes, Ethan goes into like a family unit, um, the Baker family, and, um, it's all very foreign to him. It's slightly horrific and disgusting or whatever and right from the off the fact that he's like battling his his wife and all this um but there are little elements of it like that happen throughout the game such as when you go see marguerite you've got the babies hanging from the wire and all this stuff like dolls that's right things like that marguerite herself her nether regions are where the monsters kind of come out and all this stuff yeah exactly and she's like And I was like, (laughs) is that the element of like the idea of childbirth being this monstrous, you know, something that like a a man, like I've got, I've got two kids, but you do think of it as like, it's this like weird thing, right? (laughs) Exactly. Like there's something which is like you're, you know. Swirling in the vortex. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's that idea of like, you don't, you don't consider it to being a child giving um device i don't know where i'm going you know what i mean and it's like instead it's now become this like what the hell is going on this isn't what i think of it as um and and the idea that comes from like the mother figure um and now it's like turned to mother and all this stuff and i thought that was quite and obviously later on where it's like the child is demonic it just wants to have a family um and all this and being wants a mom and a dad and all that and but it's seen as this like uh the threat, the enemy. Um, and I don't know. So that's what I was kind of, uh, I was kind of thinking about it. Yeah. And I was thinking how like Mia's journey, as you were saying from like, she's quite almost childlike in that first thing. And then she becomes more like a mature woman. She's suddenly been given this role of motherhood that she specifically says she doesn't want <laughs> um, either. Um, I don't know. That felt like a bit more of an arc than say through the eyes of, Ethan for like 90% of it anyway. Um, I like that. It's also, you see throughout the whole game, you know, there is this um, immaturity, selfishness, and it goes a bit throughout the game. And then it switches to, okay, I want to protect Ethan. So you start to see a little bit of maturity. And then it goes even further by the end of the game of like, okay, I want to make sure Ethan is safe and I'm going to stay and fight. And then ultimately, Ethan's the one who ends up saving Mia. But you see her maturity throughout the game of she realizes, I screwed up. I did these things. I lied. The selfishness. And then to the end where it's definitely 
that realization of this is what I want. My family is what I want. Ethan is what I want. And then it's not a spoiler going into eight that is so much more expanded upon because mm-hmm. um, that's in the trailer. You see Ethan and Mia and they now have a kid. Yeah. So you see this growth that happens. But then at the, the same time, there are these three years in between seven and eight that they stayed together, had a kid. It's like, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Well, also, that's why I found it interesting if you go down that line of thought now as well in that, you know, now that they've had a kid, yeah. Yeah, but you totally. also see such maturity in Ethan and Mia from seven to eight, especially if you look at it in that idea of family, um, children, protection, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that. I never even thought of that. Now my mind's a little blown. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, well, that's good work, Sam. This I thought is... you were going to come up with every time he uses a weapon, it's a comment on male impotence. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, he's I, obsessed yeah, with uh, phallic symbolism. <laughs> yeah, there is that as well. <laughs> Why won't my gun shoot? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm taking notes. Oh, interesting. I'll bring that up later. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm liking super bad where he just keeps drawing penises, but instead I'm like, <laughs> like doing visual references. Crossing them me. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, crossing them out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Poor Ethan. Uh, poor Ethan. Yeah, poor Ethan. Yeah. I mean, at least it was his left hand. Could have been, <laughs> could have been, oh, it was his left hand. Right. Okay. Then I see. There's something in that, which I've not. The magic water that just lets back. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's all you need. It's fine. Yeah, don't don't want to know what that that magic water is. I'm not sure if they say it in the game. <laughs> I can't remember. I think every nobody knows and everybody wants it because I'm like, huh? Decapitation, drop a little water on it, good to go. Lose yeah. a limb, put yeah. water on it, good to go. Yeah, that's what I love, and I also love it's like even if you've got smashed in the head or puked on or whatever, it's like I'll just put this on my wrist. <laughs> they could so, merchandise that, right? Yeah. Official Resident Evil. Uh, after show magic water magic juice <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> ethan's magic juice no don't don't like, you can't call it that stop <laughs> <laughs> please um so if we can so uh, tell me a little bit about the shoot itself as well because um like were there any so for watching it i imagine that um as we were talking about that that kind of those first that first hour couple of hours um, where you're fighting me and all this stuff, I imagine that would have been maybe the toughest to act out. But you, you tell me what what was that process like? How long did it take? As well, I mean, I don't really know how long something like that w- would take to actually. Yeah, I mean, it was basically I worked on seven on and off over the span of two years. Right. right. Wow. So you would come in for maybe a week and shoot X amount of scenes. And then a month later, you might come back and just do the ADR for it. Uh, there were sometimes it'd be like three weeks solid of the motion capture work. Um, so it just was spaced out and went through two years because the team was from Capcom in Japan. So when they came in, our director for Seven was from New York. So it was when everybody came into LA where all the actors were that's when like, it'd be like, okay, we're going to shoot all this stuff in this time. And Mm -hmm. everybody stuff would get worked on and then brought back and either reshoots happened or we'd go on to the next scene or a new scene. So it all varied. What's so interesting with motion capture is 
you know, that any of the scenes where there's, you know, real dialogue going on, um, those it's just like shooting a movie or something. Um, mm -hmm. The biggest difference is you've got to meet, use your imagination even more because you're in a spandex suit covered in little balls. And usually you have this giant helmet with a camera stuck in your face and you're supposed to ignore it's there and still act to this other person who looks the same, like all this crazy stuff on them. So you have to kind of ignore that. And then your whole set, they have the set for you, but it's made out of, you know, boxes and PVC pipes and tennis balls. So you, you're told this is a couch, this is a bed, this is the hallway you have to walk through. And you just kind of have to imagine. And they do have, um, you know, they had pictures for us. Sometimes they actually had um, some of the game already there. So they would bring it up so we could see, okay, this is what the room is going to look like in the game. So we could have a better idea of, okay, that's like what we're working with. Mm -hmm. um, but the big fights, a lot of that is done, um, or, or at least like for this game. Now, other games, it might be different. But for a lot of our big fights, uh, a lot of it was, um, we did some of it. And then they were able to loop things and they were able to then animate. Right. Uh, and it wasn't. So, you know, the huge fight where Mia jumps down from the ladder mm -hmm. and is coming at him just going crazy with the chainsaw, that stuff we didn't actually like shoot. I didn't leap down from something and we weren't just going at it with a chainsaw and a gun. <laughs> I, I would have just. <laughs> Seen that. <laughs> funny. Yeah. I didn't get to do that. I did get to do the chainsaw, like the scene where I drag it in and chop his hand off. That I really did. So I had a motion capture chainsaw and I got to lift that up and come down on him while screaming. Brilliant. I had to, you know, <laughs> screwdriver his hand into the wall, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Um, so some things you do, some you don't, and they can then take those bits and pieces. And I don't fully understand, of course, the animation and the mocap side, but you know, they take all of that and then they can put it in and animate from there. Um, and that's part of motion capture. You learn about um, what you have to do on the actor's side mm -hmm. so that they can loop. So when you're following a character walking forever, I'm not actually walking forever. I do it, but I do it just enough and stop. And then they can go, hey, we can loop it and continue the character to walk. Right. That makes sense. Keeping it efficient. Exactly. And then all the idling is the most fun. And that was the first thing I learned about with seven was, you know, they said in a lot of video games, when you're a character like Mia, where it's more like you're helping the player move along throughout the game, there are those points when the player doesn't want to follow you or is mm. looking around. And then you have a character like kind of just chilling, slowly moving, looking around like, come on, just saying weird lines. Yeah. So when I first learned about that, I was like, Oh, an actor actually does that. Yeah. So I would that <laughs> and I would do my walk and they're like, okay, take X amount of steps, stop here and do like a Mia idling and right. kind of look behind, say these lines to get the player to, oh, it's Hurry this way. You know? Yeah. It should be over here. Like stuff like that. So I'd be standing there just doing my little like idling slow move. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you idiots. Come on, <laughs> push up. <laughs> That's what it feels like, especially when the player just won't come. It's like, what are you doing? Daddy's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, I do like I do like the idea. <laughs> Sometimes with that, it's one of the my favorite things with games. It's just those little like idle animations in like very. Yeah, like when it happens sometimes in like Call of Duty or whatever, where things are like blowing up and everything's like, everything's crumbling down. And you're just standing there. They're like, come on, Sergeant or whatever. Yeah, private, move forward. And you're just like, oh, like you've gone out and you can just hear it in the background thinking, oh, fuck. Yeah, kind of loses a little bit. It's so cool how they do it. Because then some games, like if the actual fight, um, you know, sometimes those full fights, stunt people are doing them. Um, so I never saw like on our set, I, I know for eight, there were stunt people who definitely came in because eight, there's a lot more, um, of that physical fighting, I think. So I know stunt people were brought in for eight for seven. I, I never really saw anybody. Um, I don't know if maybe they went back to Japan and used stunt people. Like, I'm not totally sure how that works, but it very well. Could have because in a lot of games they're going to use stunt people um some people specifically just do motion capture because they also do stunts so they can do so much more right. um, to help create these characters so when you see these sword fights or you know call of duty running around with their guns doing tactical like those are actors and stunt people diving around and flying through the air <laughs> <laughs> not you well, I want to get that. I've started taking um, stunt classes. I did when I was much younger. And uh, I was like, you know what I want to after doing motion capture, I was like, I want to get back into it. So I started taking action and stunt classes so I can hopefully start to build up back towards that again, which will be great. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Just just be be careful. (laughs) (laughs) That's number one. I was like, just throw me in a harness and rip me through the air. Like that sounds really cool. Yeah, I want to do the fun, cool stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's what I want to do. Yes, I mean, come on. You see the behind the scenes of the superhero movies. It's like, oh, I want to be put in that. I want yeah. to look like I'm flying <laughs> through the air like Superman. Exactly. I'll do that. No, I, I, I get it. Yeah, t- totally. Why not? So wh- who was the, um, so what actually, who directed you on, on the set, I should say as well? And how was that in a sense of like um, other mediums in like, you know, film, TV, theatre, whatever? Like how how is that quite different it's actually not i mean it's the biggest difference was we had a japanese director and Mm -hmm. an american director um so you know you definitely had um on capcom side but then there was also um naveed uh he was out of new york he did grand auto um so he was brought in so you know I don't know what they like worked on together to like do things, but it was definitely, you know, Capcom, here's what we want. Here's what we're Mm -hmm. looking for. Naveed bringing that out, but also, you know, his Grand Theft Auto style and the horror helping bring that out. And then as the actor, you stood there while everything got translated Mm -hmm. (laughs) to you, you shot it. And, and then you waited for either a lot of, um, a lot of Capcom going, Hmm. Hmm, and then talking and then coming back going, okay, try it this way. Right. Or or you got the thumbs up and it was like, yes, on to the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me, was it a bit like, uh, I always think of that scene in Lost in Translation where <laughs> he speaks for ages and then she's like, okay, I turn around slightly and <laughs> he's like, is you sure that's all he said? I feel like. Like it seemed like more. Yeah. Uh, I actually, what's so funny is I worked for Tokyo Disneyland in my youth. So right. when I was much younger, I lived in Japan for a year working for Disney. Wow. 
And that was my first experience. So my experience there was a lot like lost in translation where <laughs> talking, 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 talking. And then the translator would be like, um, so just hold the wand closer to your face. <laughs> yeah. What was your job? I, I was character. I did uh, characters. I was friends with princess and villains. Oh. I, was, I was good friends with, uh, yeah, a bunch of characters. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then you used, that sounds lovely. <laughs> you used the villainous, <laughs> the Disney villainous and just turned it up to a thousand. Cranked <laughs> that up. It helped a lot. Um, but <laughs> yeah, when I came in then for Resident Evil with the Japanese A, I was really excited because I knew Japanese. So I knew bits and pieces. So I would come in and tell them good morning. And, you know, and there were little things I could say. And they were always kind of like the first time I said something, they were like, huh? And I explained to them, I was like, oh, I lived in Tokyo for a year. And then I lived in Osaka for a year. And Capcom is out of Osaka. So we had a bunch to talk about. (laughs) But um, I wasn't as thrown when we would have those sections of like waiting with the translation and then them coming back saying, okay, do it this way. Because I was mm-hmm. kind of like ready for it because <laughs> yeah. of Japan, like because of Disney, I'm like, I had already gone through um, that confusion of like, wait, so um, it sounded like they want a lot more and I don't want to screw up. So what do I need to do? And then I realized like, they'll talk like, it, it's like anybody I'm, I'm trying to get a point across. I'm going to talk a whole bunch, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's like, Oh, just do it this way. So it's like, oh, thank you for just narrowing it down. Like, here, here we go. This is what we want. I'm like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> Keep it Did you ever push back against that at all? Like, obviously, they've gone through all that planning and process and translation to go, yeah, well, actually, I'm not really feeling that for my character. I don't think she'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she would go down those stairs. I think she'd uh, hightail it out of there at this point. <laughs> feeling the growl today um (laughs) like you know just softer she's softer today no no that would not that would not happen plus what was really great was um even though they knew what they wanted still within it they gave us a lot of freedom to you know try things to improv Mm -hmm. um you know to work on those demonic sides of our characters that's cool. Uh, I think it's very hard if somebody's like, okay, be possessed, crazy, demonic, but say these specific lines in this way. That it's pretty hard. So saying, okay, here, here's what we're getting across. We want these lines in here, but throw in other things, throw in other vulgarities, throw in, you know, scratching, clawing, growling, like whatever is going to fit and create the whole scene. So they were really, really good with uh, letting us just go for it. And then either, okay, reel it back. No, we really liked that note, ramp it up even more. So that is what always kind of happened on set. And then even in the booth, when we would do ADR later, um, it'd be the same thing of, okay, we need to fix these lines, give it to us like three different ways and you do it and they'd either say, yeah, that worked or, you know, can, can you do it even more this way? Mm-hmm. And so what was crazy for seven was when I had my, you know, ADR sessions, it would either be, okay, today's normal Mia doing ADR or doing efforts. And then the next day was like, okay, this is crazy Mia doing efforts and ADR. So it's like, I had like my two personalities were always having to have their day. Yeah. <laughs> Did you okay. have any uh, like routine for getting into the mindset for those days? I actually not like, 
the possessed one came out so easily. (laughs) (laughs) Possessed Mia was very easy um, to get into because it was just so fun. Mm -hmm. It was just fun to be scary and to freak people out when I started screaming or growling or whatever it was. Um, Normal Mia was a little bit more like, okay, how do I balance the softness, the sweetness, but also then the confusion. So normal Mia was a little bit harder mm-hmm. to uh, for in seven. Uh, but what was nice is, you know, normal Mia was never really normal. She was always very confused, sad, freaking out, got to get out of here, um, you know, fighting. So, and most of my scenes would switch from one to the other. And we didn't do separate takes. It was like, no, this is the scene we're shooting. I'm going from normal to crazy so here we go like let's just do it which i'm glad because i think if it would have been like okay we're going to start here cut and then we're going to start with crazy like i don't think it would have had the same effect of just the build of like the scariness of like ethan it's okay it's okay i know you didn't mean to hurt me and then it just grows to terrifying yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. starting at 100 i can imagine it would be very very difficult um, with, yeah, were there any, uh, yeah, was there any bits or scenes that you enjoyed? Like, it sounds like the chainsaw bit and the stabbing in the hand was probably the most enjoyable bit for you. Was there anything where you're like, Oh, I just want to get this scene done or you are not looking forward to or anything like that? The only scene I had a hard time with, and it was, it was partially my fault. Uh, the scene where, uh, Mia, switches over she was crazy fighting him and then steps back she fades into normal and she starts talking about how she can hear her in her head and she just wants it out starts banging her head against the wall a having that switch of talking about wanting this voice out of my head you know took me some time to figure out how i wanted it to come off without it just being weird Mm -hmm. feeling very unnatural. So that took me a little time of working through, but then also, you know, there was a wall with cushion or, or something that was built with like padding on it. And that's what I would hit. And, you know, you, you don't actually hit it that hard. You flail and you only hit so hard. But one of the times I did it, you know, I still put myself into it a good amount. I don't hurt myself, but like, I still flail a lot. So doing that scene was always tiring because I would do it and then I had to collapse onto the ground. Yeah. Um, so it was always very tiring. And one of the times, um, because I fell to the ground on my back, we had to take all of my mic packs and Velcro them to my front because I was yeah. gonna land on my back and we didn't want me landing on them. So I had like, you know, a whole bunch of stuff Velcroed on my front that's usually on my back. So as I was flailing, one of the mic packs on the last big hit pulled off the Velcro and flung up into my face. Cracked me. I laugh at it. Okay. Like it cracked me in the mouth. So I fell down and it's like hanging there. And then like I get up and realize like I have a bloody leg. Oh no. <laughs> It wasn't horrible, but I definitely kind of felt like the asshole because I was like, I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) Luckily, they were like, okay, like they liked it. It was good. Um, Luckily, the Velcro, the sound wasn't off, or at least in the time, they thought it was okay. Mm. Left, thought we were done with that scene. And then like maybe a month later when we went back for the next round of shooting, the first thing we started with was, oh, we got to do that scene again. And I was 
No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Need extra danger money. Yeah, they were. Yeah, it, they're like the vet. You could hear the Velcro, and uh, yeah. you know, however they were shooting it, they were like they had to readjust it. So in my mind, I was just like, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> Please, it's actually quite difficult to watch that scene for that bit. That's what I quite love about the game generally is that, and as you were saying, like with the with the knife and kitchen as well, is that you it's really uncomfortable in that you think it's gonna maybe do like how far do you think it's gonna push it? Cause it kind of teases. And then, you know, when you start banging your head, it's like, that's just horrible. And then it's like, you knock yourself out. Um, And there's these weird, like, uncomfortable moments. Because it's almost like if you've ever, you know, you see in movies when when somebody's getting mad at themselves and they they start injuring themselves and the other person's like, oh, my God, what's happening? And they're, like, grabbing them, like, no, stop, stop, stop hitting your head. Like, uh, or if somebody starts hitting themselves and you're just like, I don't know what to do. And that. But that scene brings out and Ethan, he was just attacked. So he's not going to run up to her like, stop hitting yourself. He's yeah. kind of like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you're watching this woman just flail into a wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, and then he, you know, almost chops your head off with an axe. <laughs> not too long. Not like too long after said, that. A lot of marriage counseling probably happened yeah. in in the time of seven and eight. Yes. <laughs> and surely I always think. A lot of stuff they had to work through. I want to see that DLC. Yeah. Ethan yeah. in marriage counseling. <laughs> you know what? I want to see like, <laughs> I want to see like something through like halfway, like in like a year later or something. It's just Ethan like coming to bed. Um, and she's just, and Mia's just like laying there. This is, my, this is as if it's going to sound weird, which it's not, but Mia's just laying there asleep, but it's like midnight or something. And he's just like staring at her, looking at her just being like do I still trust her because like how do you go from that afterwards he's like okay cool now we're gonna play happy families and it's all gonna be nice you'd still be like um she could still be like she could turn on me at any second it obviously like this split person like something was taking control of her that she was constantly fighting against and unlike most of the bakers she was able to fight a little bit more against it mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, uh, so is it out of her? Is it not? And technically, like, he gave her the cure. So it yeah. should be out of her. You know? You right. you don't, after she gets the cure, you don't see Mia in that way. So. Okay. <laughs> Still, sleep with one eye open. Yeah, exactly. You should see one eye open. <laughs> and if you didn't, shame on you. Yeah, shame exactly. Yeah, I I found it. Yeah, so there's one bit in the game which, which um, I guess we'll come to later, which is like you can either choose Zoe, who seems to be um, unaffected, and it's kind of explained in a in a DLC, but unaffected by this um, crazy uh, mold stuff that's been infecting everyone, um, or Mia, who's your wife, and then it's like, who are you going to give it to? <laughs> I remember like with the choice thing, thinking like, chopped your hand off, like when. When they told me that was happening, like when I read that scene, my initial reaction was, no one is going to choose Mia. She is iconic. Oh, I didn't think, I didn't think she was likable. I was really worried because I was very, the hardest thing I had um, to do for myself in Seven was to find a way to make this character likable or, or at least empathetic to like Mm -hmm. okay yeah she did something wrong but like everything she's doing she's not doing like something making her do this so i had to find that balance and i know there are people out there that still hate me (laughs) 
<laughs> and she is the reason for all of this. Yeah. Okay. Get it? <laughs> but I do have to say, um, we got to blame the corporation, not the people. It's it's umbrella. It's BSAA. Like they're the ones who did all of this. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then it tr- trickles down. And uh, it's just that thing of Mia, Mia was trying. So it's like I had to bring that out. I had to make a very un- what I thought was a very unlikable character somewhat likable mm-hmm. um, that people did get to that point and hopefully chose her. But I initially was just like, how how are we going to do this? Like literally chopped his hand off. Yeah. She's been stabbing him. She's fighting him like she's not her normal self, obviously. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And this other woman, literally all she's done is help Ethan. Tell <laughs> where to go, tell him what to get to make the cure. Like, yeah. I... Well, it works because I remember, go- I remember going into that when I was playing it going, completely opposite like this sorry woman like who is this sorry woman why would i save her over my i mean maybe i'm i put myself too much into this character shoes but like, this is my wife supposed to like that's the whole yeah. point in in seven in eight ethan becomes a more rounded character whereas in seven because of vr you didn't want ethan to have too much because then the players wouldn't feel like they are ethan like that was the mm. point Seven. The player should feel like they are Ethan. They are the ones fighting. They are the ones searching for their wife. And 
especially when you play it in VR, you really feel like it is you in that. Oh yeah. You know, I think, um, I think they did a phenomenal job creating that for the players um, being like, no, you are literally in the game. You Mm. are game right now. Um, And then in eight, since it's not VR, they were able to give Ethan more, give more personality, give more for him to do and be, which I love because I'm seeing so much love for Ethan in eight. Whereas in seven, people were like, he he was like, he he was, you know, just this like boring dude. And it's like, well, that's the point because it's supposed to be you. You're supposed to fill in. You're boring. Exactly. They're criticizing themselves. Yeah. It brought nothing to the table. It's like, come on, step it up. Step exactly. it up. Come on, guys. Well, let's talk about the VR thing for a bit. So um, I played the whole thing in VR, which was bold, to be brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I have never... There, like, so there comes a time, there comes a time, but I felt like when I did Resident Evil 7 in VR... That was a real turning point for me because for many reasons. One, I'd never had a gaming experience like it ever. And I've been playing games since I was a, a child, a small child. So I was like, this is another, it's the first time that I was like, VR's like works. Like I've done some of the PS VR stuff, but you know, when it came out and whatever and all that, which is great. But Resident Evil 7, having a fully fledged actual like decent game was great. Two, I don't get scared easily. Like I find it very hard to be in a situation where I'm actually scared. Resident Evil 7 in VR absolutely did that massively. And I remember, just as a case case in point, is that um, I remember that whole intro bit that we just talked about when you're walking up to the house and then something very simple, very, very simple, is that when you go to the house, you open a door. That's it. You just walk through and you, you push open a door and you're going inside. Now, when I played it, I've, I opened that door so slowly to go inside. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going to be behind it. And I, I really was like freaking out and then cut to, I, um, I, well, I don't, I basically took it to my mate's house. He didn't have VR, but he wanted to play it. And he was just like doing the classic kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just went through And I was like, mate, you just took three minutes probably to get to that point. And that took me about 20 just because I was so careful about absolutely everything. But obviously he's just like, you're playing it how you normally play it. You're just like going through like whatever made such a massive difference. And I think like I could only play it. I don't know about, um, I don't know about you, but um, I can only play it. I would say in about half hour stints, if that, because for one thing I was just too, like my heart rate would go up immensely. I would really start because obviously like when you've got the P- when you've got the VR unit on anyway, you get, it gets hot. So it gets, it can, it can get hot and it gets a bit sweaty anyway, but that mixed with, and I used to have to do it with my wife like next to me just to be like, I was like, okay, now don't touch me for a start. Like, <laughs> like if you need something, you're just gonna have to deal with it. Unless the house is on fire. Like don't start tapping away at me or anything. Cause you're going to make me jump. Sure. <laughs> exactly. I, please don't. You're just so engulfed, like between the headset and then the headphones. I mean, you yeah. are truly immersed into the world. The first time I did it, I actually, didn't realize I had played for two hours. Like I put everything on and the sun was out and my friends were over, everybody just, we were like, let's just witness this. This will be hysterical. And uh, by the time I took it off, it was two hours later, it was dark. I was like, what just happened? 
where did the time go? But by the two hour mark, I realized like my head, you know, it was very, um, it's disorienting yeah. to the point where in the middle of me playing it, my husband and my friends had to put like a yoga mat on the ground. So I had a better idea of where I needed to stay. Cause I was moving so much and they're like, she's going to break herself. <laughs> I guess they had a video of me and I'm I think I'm facing the TV still with the game, but I was fully turned around. TV, right. me. I'm facing my friends just like freaking out. <laughs> I just hear laughing and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure you guys are having a great time. <laughs> yeah. What I'm hearing from Sam as well is outrageous because he's a total sadist. He forced yeah. me to play it for about two hours. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, no, it's so fun. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm very excited. So I just officially yesterday bought um, a PlayStation 4 VR bundle. Mm -hmm. um, I have, an, I just started a Twitch account because I've been promising people that I'm going to get on it. But the plan, fingers crossed that um, everything works correctly, but the plan is to do my first stream with VR RE7. Yeah, that'd be great. So I'm super excited. Um, I will be messing around with that for the next couple of days to figure out how to get the VR to link up to the Twitch and everything. But I yeah. am so excited because I found it funny to watch, yeah. like, you know, basically a camera on me with this headset on. So I just look like a total ass. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I had to on set most of the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining that it's like you're not even going to be in the webcam frame or whatever. You'll be like on another part that you've just <laughs> you've just disorientated yourself enough, or you've just wandered off. <laughs> We're gonna have to put down like a little like mat area, so I know if I've wandered out of frame. Be like, yeah. oh no, gotta shift back to the left. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have some other RE8 actors, like we all kind of hang out. So uh, and RE7 uh, actors, so we plan on kind of doing a maybe group thing where because it is very hard to wear the VR for very long. So we might be like rotating. So one can be commenting on <laughs> what's going on in the Twitch while the other one's in the actual VR, just trying to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a shame it's Resident Evil 8 wasn't in VR. I was really like, I was really bummed that it wasn't. I know like there's probably decisions made or whatever and, and all that, but. Um... I was curious about that. Cause when they first came to me saying, you know, hey, Resident Evil 8 is going to start working back. on and Mia is still alive. So um, when they first told me that, I kind of assumed it would be in VR just because of 7. Um, but they never actually told us that. And then actually doing um, the filming, for me, it felt different because 7, we had to do so many things, so many different ways, so many um, reshoots. And that was all because of VR. It right. was... You know, we had to very specifically shoot things knowing this will be in VR. Mm. Whereas eight, any of my scenes never felt like that. So mm. I started being like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be in VR. And then it came out and it wasn't, um, which I was a little bummed only because the VR is pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like this, you know, eight becomes a very different almost dark fairy tale world that it's in which is mm -hmm. kind of cool so you know it's like you get this fun balance and what i loved about you know seven went back to horror mm -hmm. eight 
kept the horror, but then also brought in that um, shoot 'em up that happened in like four, five, and six that people liked. Mm-hmm. So eight kind of was this, I feel like maybe balance of the horror and that first person shoot 'em up kind of thing where they were trying to meld them together. So I thought that was cool because then it opened it up to a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll know more about it than I will, but yeah, I felt like because they said, like seven was very self-contained almost like you've got basically the house and the ship really and there's some other little bits but that's kind of it um whereas with this i think maybe the fact they've made it a lot bigger and expansive they were probably just like we probably can't do it in vr i don't know but it's so great for the players because it's like there are so many different houses you get to explore the whole region there there's just so many more characters Mm -hmm eight um which i think is really cool so it just it took seven and just kind of blew it up worldwide which was so <laughs> cool um literally and figuratively <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm definitely it's on my um i'm one of those people those gamers who will buy games day one and then they'll sit on the backlog it's like whilst i'm still trying to get other stuff done and then i'm just like they go down in price i'm like why did i why did I do it? Why didn't yeah, I Why did I need to buy it with A1? Ridiculous. Well, that's why I said I would start with seven, yeah. then I'll go to eight, and then the plan is to backtrack and start with original R. Oh, wow. When I was a kid. So yeah. my my Twitch plan, once I figure out how to work all of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that plan is going to be seven, eight, and then backtrack and stick with all of the Resident Evils. And then once I finish all those, go on to other yeah. games not but that's that's kind of my hope because i mean i remember being in grade school i was in eighth grade when resident evil first came out right yeah just like you know it was just such a because i i played doom on Mm -hmm. my parents actual computer like the desktop computer yeah (laughs) Yeah, i remember playing doom and how scary and creepy it was and then resident evil came out and gave a very similar vibe yeah. um, but then after that like I was never really my family was never really big into gaming and stuff so mm. I remember playing it at friends houses but I never had it so when people ask me like oh were you always a big fan I'm like I knew of it but I just didn't grow up in a big gaming family and now it's like now that I've been in games I'm like oh my god I have I now have gaming stuff I'm I'm like I don't even know if you would have talked if you talked to anybody from my college they'd be like yeah Katie would never do that that." and I'm like no she's too cool for that that. and you're like no I'm not (laughs) cool I just have such a temper and I get frustrated very easily (laughs) so it could be quite uh explosive and entertaining your uh, twitch streams it, it's definitely going to be definitely follow my Twitch, uh, yeah. <laughs> twitch.tv backslash Katie because mm-hmm. um, it's going to be quite humorous. There's, I might have to rate it mature because I <laughs> cannot trust what will come out of my mouth. While I'm- <laughs> that, yeah, is I, that is yeah. for sure. I think I know, it could be I, cool as well. Watching someone, I think playing Resident Evil seven in VR, because it'll be kind of like watching a horror movie as opposed to, living a horror movie which was maybe like for me it was a little intense um because i'm like a, a stalwart horror fan but did you actually get through all of seven in vr like you played it and got through it or you just started it no well i actually played it at sam's house so at the time we were 
in a band together. And I think, I thought I was going around for a songwriting session, maybe a catch up, <laughs> chill out. And he's like, you got, you got to play this game. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And he's like, you got to put this on. And I was like, uh, hang on. Or <laughs> you, he just like threw you into it. Yeah, that, yeah, wasn't, just, that wasn't the VR unit. That was. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking. He's talking about. He's talking about something else. Um, <laughs> he put the VR helmet on my head. Yes, and he wouldn't let me leave for about two hours. <laughs> and the whole time, yeah. he said it took took him twenty minutes to get through the door. I was like, do I really need to go in this house? He's like, yeah, get on with it. Get, get through the door. I'm like, <laughs> every fiber yeah. of my being is telling me to turn around, get in that car, drive away. Like, there should be an alternative storyline where you choose to just go on a nice countryside drive. <laughs> yeah, just look at the swamp, but keep <laughs> going. In the bay. <laughs> I vaguely remember Dan going, like, so what's going on here? What am I? Just get on with it, Dan. Just go through. What's? But why am I here? What, what? <laughs> just go, just go. Come on. Like, I don't want to go through that door. It's scary. It's, I, I genuinely, like you said, your heart rate was going sound. I was, yeah. like, the, like it's, it's nerve shredding. Yes. Like yeah. the anxiety. But um, like the payoffs are really cool, aren't they? Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. I took, it took me two hours just to get to where Mia is crawling up the stairs. Yeah, which that's is yeah, pretty much. It takes them twenty minutes to get to that point. It took me two hours to get to that. <laughs> point. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty much where I got to. Yeah. yeah. Well, then it also was. I got to that point. I remembered shooting the scene. I heard the voices. You see Amir coming, and then I stepped away, and then all of a sudden it goes black. And I was like, at first, I thought I hit a wrong button because again. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Mia pops up in your face and is all creepy and squirrely and making those noises. And oh my God, I did all of this. I screamed so loud and I threw the remote control and I fell to the ground. <laughs> and I I just, I started yelling, stop hitting me, stop it, stop. <laughs> I didn't have a remote anymore, so I couldn't stop it. I couldn't fight her off. Like my friend had to literally like come over, touch me and like hand me the remote again so I could attempt to stop the game. (laughs) (laughs) That must be such a strange sensation. A manifestation of yourself is attacking you. Yeah. It was like, I remember shooting the scene and then having it happen to me. It it, it was such a mind fuck. Like, wow. like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> I just kept saying, I was like, stop hitting me. Stop hitting me. <laughs> stop hitting yourself. <laughs> is it like, I imagine that it must have been, that must have been what Jeff Bridges felt like in Tron Legacy when he, if anyone's seen it, when he met Clue or whatever. So himself. Staring at, someone who doesn't look like you but everything else is you it's like your voice your mannerisms your tics all right here just on another woman's face like yeah Yeah. i can't imagine that it was it's so cool but terrifying in vr terrifying (laughs) and that's why i'm gonna do it on my twitch because it will also be hysterical yeah, okay. we'll have, so, have yeah, paramedics for- on standby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna have to put pillows up so in case I throw things, it's not gonna break the TV. Like, 
maybe you should just yeah have a padded room literally like <laughs> give mental people like okay i'm safe in here now um, might have to might yeah. have to we'll see how much of the game i can play standing up versus i have a giant beanbag chair it might end up me going after a couple of rounds of okay i have to sit in this chair and play because i'm a danger to myself if i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet um so I guess like starting from the top. So what interested me about the very uh, start of it is that, did you ever play Silent Hill 2? No, but everybody compares. Yeah, compares them. Now Silent Hill Hill 2 is probably, if not my favourite game of all time, it's definitely top four, top five, I would say. But the whole premise of how that starts is... He, the main character, gets a letter from his dead wife saying to go back to Silent Hill. So, which is exactly how, and he's in the car and all this stuff, and he's kind of remembering the conversation, whatever, and all this stuff. That's how Silent Hill 2 starts. And what I love about Resident Evil 7 is that throughout, and I think they, I think they, Capcom have said this, um, the directors, and you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong, is that they have picked influences from like horror films and other games and stuff like that. which I felt like, yeah, which I felt like came through. And I thought that was a nice little nod maybe to, to Silent Hill 2, which is, yeah, which is great. And also like going around the house itself reminded me a bit of PT, which was the Kojima demo that came out that you can't get anymore, um, which was like that. It's in like, it's kind of a similar layout as well. Like it's a bit of a square, um, even though like the Baker house has all the bits and pieces, the main layout feels a bit, squarish and then it's got all the when I think of the beginning of it anyway um so yeah so as we said you basically (laughs) you start you're looking for the looking for Mia who has who has disappeared and you thought she was dead but now she's she's back as you kind of venture up to the house you see as we said like the old film crew and that's one of the cool gameplay mechanics is that you find the videotapes and you can watch them and then you can interact. So you're watching it first person, but stuff that you do in it affects what happens in the real world, which is quite a nice little, yeah, almost supernatural, I guess. guess. Like um, a twist, yeah. twist, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, which is cool. But it's also, like, as you're watching it, it's all like grainy and fucked up as well. So it's like just that found footage aesthetic thing. They've really leaned into it um, with that, um, which I thought was cool. And then, yeah, Mia is basically the, the first boss, basically, um, pretty much. She's <laughs> stabbing you, as you said, stabbing you in the hand. Um, there's a lot of jump scares, which we've <laughs> which we've established. There's quite a few of those, which in VR is fucking horrible, but um, in the well, best possible way. Yeah, well, definitely well worth it. Exhilarating. Um, definitely exhilarating. And there's a lot of the kind of, there's that horror trope of like, you know, uh, there's the bodies there and then you, you go and do something else, you come back and it's gone. It's like, oh, fuck, where is it? And you're following the blood trails and all this. Um, and then basically you uh, kind of kill uh, Mia with an axe. Um, at least she looks pretty dead <laughs> at that point. Um, I mean, the to the neck, you would hope. but to the, the neck. neck. It is um, reservable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you signed up to this if you bought this game. You know, you know what you're getting. Um and then after another fight with her, she chops off your hand with a chainsaw. Um, and then you have that chainsaw fight, which in VR was so difficult. It took me ages to get it because I just could not aim. I couldn't get the aim straight. It was driving me absolutely insane. And also, as with all survivor horrors, 
your ammo is very scarce. So, um, yeah. So I was like, screwed. <laughs> like if I didn't get it in like <laughs> the first few shots, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, yeah, damn it. Um, yeah. Uh, but the end, yeah, later on down, down the line with the game, um, uh, the ammo does start to be a bit more plentiful and you start getting, um, like the Resident Evil do, but survival horrors do, where you get like grenade launchers and flamethrowers and you can mix chemicals, which is a Resident Evil thing. And you've also got the inventory management. So you can only carry so much and take stuff with you, um, which is cool. So there's always that kind of anxiety where it's like, you know, you come across something, you pick it up, you're like, fuck, I can't carry it because I've got enough space. What do I do? I have to use something or do I drop something? Um, and all this stuff. Um, so when you needed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Damn it. Um, and then <clears throat> after a little while, you you meet the Baker family and you meet them by like waking up Texas Chainsaw Massacre style, um, oh, tied onto a chair. You've got this old woman in a wheelchair who reminds me of the granddad in uh, Texas Chainsaw. You've got the young kid. Is it Lucas? I've forgotten his name. Yeah. Lucas. Yeah. Um, you've got Jack, the dad, and you've got Marguerite, the mum. And there's this like all this horrific, like awful style, like you're not sure what meat it is or anything. Dan's, uh, Dan, why are you now? Vegan? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, right. vegan. Okay. Yeah, you wouldn't like that dinner. You definitely wouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's okay, it's okay though, because it all appears to be um, sort of like human. I, I think it's a lot of bugs, <laughs> a lot of human and bugs, possibly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Rotted meat. It seems like. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very grim. It's extremely grim. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of grey matter. But what I also loved is that they're all like infighting as well and shouting at each other, yeah. which I always loved about Texas Chainsaw is the fact it's like. Yeah you're watching the family dynamic. It's not just all about you. They're kind of getting on with their life whilst you're sitting there. You just like happen to be there, um, oh. which is quite nice. Um, well, it's even then, scarier, isn't it? Because a bit, a bit like in that scene in the film, you kind of realise you don't matter. You're just a piece of meat in the, in the, in the room. Like you so badly want to tiptoe out of the room, but you're stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And you've got him, you've got Jack, like, pointing knives in your face. There's a lot of these, like, VR moments, which is, like, everything's kind of in your face and, you know, um, very immediate, which might not work as well uh, if you play normally as to how it looks in VR, which is absolutely terrifying, Um, (laughs) for sure. And then uh, they all kind of saunter off, and then you're kind of left to kind of escape the house. And this is what's cool is that Jack is kind of one of the the kind of best kind of Resident Evil villains. Like, so you've got like Nemesis, Mr. X and the previous Resident Evil titles where it's this like figure that's just like stalking you. So you can come crash, he comes crashing through walls, he busts doors open or whatever, and you've got to kind of hide from him. And um, what I also love is that it gives you, the game gives you like a little bit of hope. And then it's like one step forward and two steps back. So like you see a cop and the cop's like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, fucking hell, thank God, it's a cop here. And then... Like ten minutes later, yes, he gets a, he gets a spade through his head, um, and then you've got a cool. You've got the first of many uh, Jack boss battle, uh, battles, um, and it's this cool bit where and he's kind of having fun with you. And that's what I quite like about it is that he's very threatening, but also there's like a hilarity. There's a comedy skew to it as well. Yeah, it's like yeah. he's just he's just messing with you the whole time. Like it's so creepy. Because it is got that comedy in it. Like they did such a great balance with it. <laughs> yeah. 
Definitely. I was, I was astounded that it was like, they've really leaned into this. They've really made him like an interesting, weird, crazy psycho character. Um, and he's, and the fact that he can't die, like he totally takes advantage of it. Um, basically like he shoots himself in the head and his entire head just like blows up. But, and then, yeah, he come and then he, he keeps, he keeps coming back just, just the same. Um, but that's bit's really cool. And then you've got, you find a tape with Mia on it, which is where you're hiding from Marguerite, right? And that's like a proper like stealth section. And I guess, like, as you were saying, like the cool thing about Mia as well is that she's not um, like a damsel in distress, really. Like the kind of start of it might feel like it might be going in that direction. But the fact that she becomes an immediate threat for a start and then later on you find out that she's actually more... um, let's say uh, she's more used to all this stuff than Ethan is by like a mile. Um, that, you know, really it should be the other way, <laughs> other way around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she would really be saving him. Um, but yeah, I quite liked that. Um, and yeah, this kind of stealth section is quite neat because it's also, you start seeing like the little outhouse bit and which comes into play later. Um, and they, yeah, it's cool how they kind of tease things that are kind of coming into the future, um, like quite early. And yeah, you hide from Marguerite um, and then you, uh, yeah. And then um, you, you start making your way through the house more and that you bump into the new enemies, which are like the molded, which are basically these big black, like slimy creatures, um, which are made up of this yeah weird black mold that you start seeing everywhere, which is actually the, um, that's the infection, right? That's the, like the kind of result of all these experiments. Is that right? Uh, well, the molded, uh, for the most part, are actually they were people who okay, were right. were people so infected, and that's what you see kind of at the end of the game. You realize that the molded are were people, and right. it was taken over, and they weren't able to fight it, and they become these creatures. Right. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And yeah, this is that. Yeah, that black mold itself. That is the. That's what they've been creating, I guess. Oh, I don't know. Um, but that's part of it anyway. It's all part of this like weird infection thing. Um, and yeah, those molded, they just eat up your ammo. I remember thinking that at the time. It's just like these things go down. Yeah, yeah just, they're, they're not, not yeah, exactly. They're not easy. They're literally they're like bullet sponges. Um and then you start getting little hints at the story of the sense that it's like you're now being uh molded, I guess, to be like the father. And Mia, like the mother, but you're not really sure. They keep talking about her and she. And as you said, it's like she's in my mind. And you're not really sure who that is or what's kind of going on with that. Um, but yeah, you get the sense that Jack hates you. <laughs> he's he's on a he's on a mission to get rid of you. Um, and then you have this really cool chainsaw fight with him, which is really visceral. Like if you think about a chainsaw fight in this pit of like bodies um hanging from uh, above and all this which is really great and what i also loved is that even when he gets like regrown he's got the same like facial hair and like male pattern baldness (laughs) 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 you gotta hold on to what makes you you so (laughs) get the same beard line it's all just you know genetically uh uh, well it's in like literally perfect molecularly perfect pure recreate uh recreation um it's just, just weird. And even when, like, you kill him, I remember there's that bit where his leg, you chop him in half or whatever, or um, kill him, basically, and then his legs get back up and start walking and then fall back down. <laughs> just like, 
comedy that's thrown it i mean it's disturbing comedy but it's still funny yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and there's loads of these elements and there's one bit where you have to like grab a key from the neck of the cop or whatever you have to put your hand down his head's been chopped off you have to put his hand down his throat oh, to grab the key and pull it that's out great. it's just, yeah it's all stuff <laughs> like that which is really like it's yeah it's a bit playful in the fact that it's so horribly gory um so and yeah so basically you've got to find you've you've been told you've got to find this serum to kind of get this cure going and from this you need a head and an arm of the series d or something that's like around that's been washed up i guess from the ship um so yeah you've got to get this and it'll help you make the serum um so you go um to marguerite's basically at this point she's like the next boss that you're going up to and i always found this bit the most annoying bit because you've got the mosquitoes and there's the poison and all this stuff and in vr that's just fucking i just remember being like this is impossible i can't get these things i can't get them i don't know and then you have like a flamethrower at this point which makes it a bit easier but the ammo is scarce um it's really tough to get right um and marguerite here has now turned into this like spider weird spider-like creature and she looks this for me in vr was probably yeah really creepy really tough like to actually do but also just it was messed up and it reminded me of the ending of wreck do you remember wreck i don't know if you guys have seen it i think dan you might have seen it no what's that so wreck they remade it in america um oh the film yeah but wreck yeah wreck it was a spanish wreck is one of the best found footage films of all time um yeah, Short for, I, rec- for record, right? Yeah, like record. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, they, yeah, yeah, REC. So, yeah, it's a Spanish thing. It's, it takes place in a block of flats. Basically, it starts out with this woman's like, I'm making a documentary on the fire department. Okay, we're going to go out to call. And then, anyway, they're like, it's all like a zombified block of flats. But the woman next her is That's right. She was in the American one. That's right. Yeah. I do um, know. Okay. Yeah, so in the and they did the same thing with this end scene, but I think the Spanish one probably did it better, and I think maybe because I saw that first, so it had more of an um, initial shock. But when they get you know to the it, top, go on. It reminds me of Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, where his his mother at the end of the film kind of remember. mutates into this huge giant. Just I don't know what the oh, hell she, she is. is. Have you seen that, KT? You're nodding. Like I know. I haven't seen it, but I had heard about that one because I'm a big horror fan, so I always like finding new ones. And my October, I try to watch as many ones I haven't seen, so I always have my list of yeah. what I So I'll have to add that. Brain Dead's like a, a comedy. Gross splatter comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> comedy horror. Um, but, yeah, exactly, even better. But, yeah, the end of Wreck, it's like, it's night. It's the night vision thing. And this was kind of the first film to do this, like, properly. Um, and there's this, like, weird bit, a weird creature in the background. It's got, you can't really see it, probably it's got elongated limbs. And anyway, basically, it looks like how Marguerite looks here, which is, like, long, weird limbs, ridiculously tall. Yeah, exactly, like, all, like, fucked up and all this stuff. Um, and, yeah, as I said before, she's got this, like, <laughs> bug vagina or something that's kind of <laughs> out mosquitoes and all that's really weird and she's climbing up the walls and all that stuff like you um, can't let them lay eggs in places because then that's right so creepy yeah it's really creepy and really gross but it's a great it's a great boss fight so you kill her and then you move on to lucas and lucas is cool because he's got his own thing which is basically um <laughs> pranks which is like tricks and like traps, traps. Oh. 
Puzzles. Yeah, and puzzles and all this. And it wouldn't be Resident Evil without the puzzles. So he's done it in like the set of like a theme park almost um, and kind of got these little games for you to play. Um, but he's kind of like the younger Texas Chainsaw Massacre brother thing, like a bit of a doofus, a bit of a idiot, but well, which doesn't really make sense, I suppose, because he's made all these intricate kind of um, uh, escape rooms. <laughs> It's like he's that psychotic. It's not so much a doofus. He's just that psychotic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This isn't this isn't Home Alone we're talking about here. It's something transformed into it's close. <laughs> this is what, what Kevin grew up to be. Even if he wasn't infected, he was still this psychotic. Yeah, like yeah. that's how I read Lucas as. He seems like he has always been this crazy, this psychotic, and part of everything from the get go. Yeah. Because he, during that time where you do meet Lucas, you you find that he's been talking to someone, you know, and you're just like, wait a minute, like what what's this? Who's this? Why why is he in cahoots with someone? <laughs> like yeah. outside. So that's true. Yeah. He's the most kind of like normal out of them. Like he doesn't act as messed up in a horror sense as the others. He seems almost as you said, like just a bit more of a normal psycho that happens to regenerate himself i don't it doesn't feel like he's doing this because he's infected yeah <laughs> feels like okay. he's doing it for fun which makes yeah. it so much scarier it's so much weirder oh you guys are infected all oh, right i thought we were just doing the mm. <laughs> i thought we we're just doing this train now same page what's going on <laughs> yeah exactly oh, we're not we're oh yeah i thought we just eating awful now that's fine i'm eating humans i felt like the natural the natural next step um <laughs> why not but yeah you see like uh, he has another video of like yeah, an escape room in, in a sense of putting a um lighting a birthday cake which turns out to be um a, a bomb and he sets the room on fire etc that stuff's really cool um you kind of got a bit of a boss fight in there with some huge kind of slob monster who vomits on you which is a bit of a classic kind of resident evil type boss um but that's kind of done like it's a game show which is quite again kind of like that weird humor aspect to it again which is really cool um and then, yeah, so then you find uh, Mia again and Zoe and she's like, oh, I'm going to make the serum uh, from these things that you've got given me, thanks. But then Jack comes back and he's now this like huge, massive monster and you've got to shoot him in the, the glowing bits, kind of like classic kind of boss monster thing. And then you inject him with the serum, which means you only get one left. And then you basically have to choose Mia or Zoe. I think canon for Resident Evil Village to work, canon is that you've injected Mia. Um, I don't think, <laughs> I think if you've injected Zoe, they kind of forget about that. Um, and I never did that. I don't know. There must be a different ending and stuff. But I don't know. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I find it weird if you didn't infect me. If, as you said, you, you know, she has tried to kill you like about a million times by now. So it wouldn't really, wouldn't really surprise well, me. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then you go off on a boat and you escape, but then you come across the big ship that you find out that Mia was actually on. Um, and then Ethan basically gets taken uh, by the black slimy stuff and the mold. And then you're Mia and you start exploring the ship. And this is where you start seeing a little girl and all these kind of bits start falling into place. And basically you have a flashback where um, this little girl was basically an experiment um, and it's all gone a bit wrong. <laughs> but you were supposed to, Mia, I say you, you, Mia, <laughs> you, um, Mia and her uh, partner, um, were supposed to be acting as parents whilst they had this little girl on board. Um, but it's all it's all gone wrong. But now you get a machine gun, which is like, thank God, by this point of the game, I need that. 
Um, and you start going through killing some mold, uh, molded, your partner dies. You start finding out that this little girl is like, wants Mia to be a mum. She wants to have like a family unit. Um, and then you, you basically blow up the ship, the ship explodes, right. And you kind of fly off into the sea. Um, and then, so the story is, and this happens in a DLC is that Jack found the little girl and you and brought you, you guys back. And then that's when she started, um, infecting the house and everyone. Um, so, but on, meanwhile, on the ship, you find Ethan in the slime. And I guess it's him getting turned into like a molded thing at that point. Um, and he has this little like flash of like the Baker family, like normal, like basically being like, we're actually a, a decent family. Can you s- save us, save us from this, this creature? Um, which I thought was quite nice. Um, and, uh, yeah. So then <clears throat> you become Ethan again, <clears throat> And you go into the mines where it's, that's where the experiments took place. Is that right? You start finding all this. Um, I remember you start finding documents and videos and pictures. You do find that stuff, but that is, um, I mean, all the experiments and everything that that was done on the ship. Um, right. And that mine, I think, is more Lucas related. And that's when you realize Lucas was in contact with somebody. And you realize there's some sort of bigger story. There's something more to the story. Um, and that's when you're realizing, like, you know, Evelyn, this little girl, is yeah. basically a bioweapon. She's not a little girl. Like, she's a bioweapon. You start you start seeing all these things of, like, how long Mia's been involved, taking care of her, and the names of people. And that's when I believe you start finding little instances of names you may recognize from past games. Right. The it's all these little tiny things that, you know, they, they feed in there during right. that. Um, but I think for the most part, like any of the experiments, any of that stuff was all done on the ship. And then of course went terribly wrong. Like it right. always does resident evil. Yeah. <laughs> I never learn. Thank God you're here, Katie. Cause yeah, I would have got that. I was thinking there's definitely a mine. It's <laughs> definitely a mine. And there's definitely some documents. Um, but then you find your way, um, yeah, and I think the idea, right, is that she can control armies and all this stuff, this infected thing, um, being able to, like, yeah, control people and control the enemy, as you said, like, using her as a as a bioweapon. Um, like, she is this mold, like, yeah. uh, so she's this bioweapon, and uh, I don't really remember, like, how she makes people the mold, but basically she infects them, and then she can control them. But also it's the idea that anybody who is molded it, are connected. So that's why when, mm. Ethan was, when Ethan was in that mold, he was seeing visions of the bakers. Right, yeah. They were normal because anybody who has been affected, anybody within the molded um, universe or idea, like they are all connected now as mm. a family. That's this whole idea. It really is this whole idea. And seven and eight both feed into the same idea of it's all about family. Yeah. Just wants family. So she uses the mold to literally create her family. Like, let me pull everybody in. I want, let me control everyone. And some people can fight it more than other people. So the ones fully molded, you know, aren't able to fight it enough. Mia, Zoe, they, they are able to try to fight it a little bit more because they have a better understanding. So you kind of get that 
push and pull. But yeah, this little child is basically not a child, just a weapon of just yeah. mass destruction. Yeah. Per- perfectly put. And I guess that kind of comes into the end where she's not a little girl. It's all been a hallucination. So you you kind of make your way back to the house basically and you start having like more visions and all this and the little girl and you've got the serum and she's like, I oh, know, keep it away from me. And then you find out that the old woman who's been around, not only was she at the dinner scene at the be- well near the beginning, but as you've been walking around the house solving puzzles and knocking doors, she's been in the corner, she's been watching you and she's just been around. She's the young girl and she's aged like a ridiculous rate basically. And now she's like super old. Um, and that, but she still projects herself as a, as a little girl, which is really interesting. And then basically she becomes, she's like, why does everyone hate me? Like having like a kind of teenage strop almost. And she just wants family. She just wants the family. She just needs, yeah. So you, you said, she just wants that connection. Um, and she just turns into a massive, huge monster <laughs> that you have to fight, which is the final boss. Teen-year-old girl or 13-year-old girl. Yeah, she hung out in the upstairs room. She's taken over the whole house slowly and she's this huge monster that will ruin your house. Um, And Yeah, and then so you have this kind of final fight um, and you get essentially saved by Umbrella um, and that's when Chris Redfield comes out and you're like, and everyone's like, Chris Redfield? Like, that's a character from Resident Evil that we've been playing and know about. And then that is basically the end of the game um so it's quite it's quite a journey as you've as you said um and yeah it's cool you can like upgrade your weapons as you go through like coins in a really weird way like you put them in and almost like a you buy them basically like almost in these weird little bird cages which is cool um and then there is some dlc i'll kind of t- talk about that briefly you've got the not hero dlc which is chris redfield it's a bit more action orientated you're kind of going through shooting the monsters basically you've got end of zoe which is quite nice because that's kind of like it gives a happy ending to Zoe, who canonized you left <laughs> on the night to die. And he's like, I'll get, I'll bring help. And she's like, there'll be no one here left to help. You fuck. <laughs> You've left me here to die. <laughs> like, good thanks. But the idea is that Jack's brother, Joe, who's got like, who ends up with like a metal hand, like um, a solid snake style. Um uh, uh, not Solid Snake, Metal Gear Solid 5, whichever snake that was. God, I got myself confused. Jesus, got confused all the snakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he has, a, he has a, a Japanese, like, hand thing. And um, he is, yeah, Jack's brother. He fights Jack, who has survived. Um, and then at the end of the day, Umbrella come in, and it's Chris Redfield again. And he's like, oh, we saved you. And then it, you find out that Ethan said to Umbrella, you got to go help Zoe. She's back there and sort her out. So that's quite nice because that puts a little bow on that as well. Like Zoe just wasn't left to die in case anyone, you know, had a heart when they were playing that. Um, and then you've got the band, you've got the band footage DLCs, which are basically these cool little vignettes where it's like you've got like escape room style mini games um, with um, uh, Lucas and Marguerite. Um, and the Marguerite one is quite cool because she keeps coming in and out. And you've got to like, when you start hearing her coming, you've got to get back into the bed and do all your chains up before she comes through the door. Otherwise she'll be like, what the fuck are you doing? And she'll kill you basically. That is really cool. I've loved doing that one. Um, yeah, it was really good. And it's also the bit, um, which is the kind of prequel bit, which is showing how um, Evelyn and Mia were found and the kind of events that led up to the Baker family being um, infected and how they were as a normal family, which is really nice. Um, 
yeah, so that's basically the entire thing. I also, I've also noted down here as well um, that in some of the other influences, what really reminded me with Mia's character is um, Evil Dead 2, Linda. Yep. Because so, obviously Linda kind of is dancing around headless with a chainsaw at one point, if I remember rightly, and messing around with her head. Um, and she gets all like demonic and she turns from like really sweet, like, you know, come on, Ash, whatever. And then like, I'll swallow your soul. <laughs> and Marguerite is quite like um, the woman in the cellar. Maybe that was the first one or the second one. I can't remember. The cellar um, was the first. I feel like maybe both. It might have been both, yeah. yeah both at the cellar, yeah. And I swear that it was, she was also called Marguerite in that film as well. Maybe, That's I don't cool. know. Now I'm in, I'm like, is it this? Oh. It's something like Margaret. Dan's, Dan's she, doing some research. Uh, she was Henrietta. Henrietta. In Henrietta Sweet Henrietta. Right. That's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well done. Um, and there's also a hint of like True Detective, the first series, where it's like that Louisiana, I don't know, um, I got vibes of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I felt like a lot of that fed, fed into it um, a bit. But yeah, I, in conclusion, personally, I really loved the game. I thought it was great. I thought it was a real breath of fresh air for the Resident Evil franchise, which to be fair, um, I think people got felt like it got a bit stale. Basically by that point, it didn't really feel like a horror game anymore. It felt like an action game. And this was like real return to its roots um, of being something that's like a pure horror experience. And VR has to be done. If anyone knows someone that's got a PSVR, they can just go and just, as we said, just try out the first couple of hours Highly recommended. Or they can watch you do it and have that a similar experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll start it this month and once I can figure Twitch out. Yeah, well, hopefully, <laughs> this, hopefully by the time this is out, I think you'll be uh, on your way. Um, Twitch so, yeah. master. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You would have got it all sorted out. So, yeah, what was your Twitch channel again? Uh, it's twitch.tv backslash kdox. Kdox, great. And um, obviously there's Resident Evil Village. Um, but yeah, what else is kind of going on in your world? What else is happening? Right now it's a lot of just Resident Evil. Um, yeah. it's, it's been quite a whirlwind. So I've been very busy with live signings, um, slowly starting to um, book and do conventions. So that's mm-hmm. really exciting. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, as the world opens up to meet the fans in person that I've been meeting online so much. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Yeah, so it's just been a lot of um, online right now. Uh, the acting world's opening back up, so auditioning and just starting to work again, which has been phenomenal. Uh, nothing I can talk about yet, but uh, I always tell people follow. Uh, you know, I'm really big on Instagram and mm-hmm. Twitter uh, at KDOX. Um, I keep the same thing through everything; it just makes it easier. Yeah. <laughs> same yeah. handle. So yeah. Um, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, Discord, all of them are on that. Uh, and then, uh, and Cameo. So I started doing those, which has been really, really fun, making videos oh, cool. for people. Great. Yeah. What do people ask for as messages usually? They ask you still like a growl. Um, <laughs> they usually ask um, for my famous line, which I have, my mom is always like, do you really have to constantly say that? Because I'm dropping the F-bomb. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mom, it's what they're paying for. They want to hear it. Sorry. <laughs> give the people to... what they want. Give the people what they want. My favorite, though, I had um, 
I had one person who wanted, they basically bought a cameo for their friend and they wanted me to roast them as Mia because their friend always chooses Zoe when she plays <sighs> RE7. So um, Mia had to give her a little personal message of shame on her and not to piss me off because I would find her. <laughs> so, Was that quite therapeutic for you? Cathartic, yeah. It's a lot of fun. And what's <laughs> really cool is on Cameo they keep, so like people can watch those videos to get an idea. So like I've done, you know, birthday ones. I've done congratulations. I did a, the roasting one. It's so yeah. silly, but so much fun. <laughs> I bet. Nice one. Um, cool. Again, thank you very much for, for joining us on this episode today. Um, and it was, yeah, it was lovely having you on here and it was great to kind of discuss, um, Resident Evil seven. Cause yeah, I love that game. It's been one of the, uh, the gems of most recent years in gaming. And as I said, like I've played a lot of games, but nothing has quite come close to the VR experience of Resident Evil seven. That was brilliant. And you were a big part of that. So thank you for making that happen. Glad I could terrify you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did very well. It terrified <laughs> me because last thing I saw before I started this call was Mia's face screaming into the screen. So I was a bit intimidated, but uh, yeah, thank you. It's been lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Something Take like it all back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like that. <laughs> uh, Right, but th thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much, Katie. And um, yeah, uh, and we'll speak to you again soon, hopefully, when we cover Resident Evil 8 Village. I just need, I just need oh, to play good. it. Yes, you have to play first. <laughs> yeah, that will help. <laughs> I don't, I'm just going to say Mia is, uh, basically is a giant spoiler. So you have to play it to be able to talk about Mia at all. <laughs> Noted. We'll get on it. We'll do so, yeah. Um, Cool. Uh, and everyone, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.